Here's the 0-2 pitch. Got him swinging. Shawaran pumping his fist and showing the emotion. Dalgin kicks and deals, and it's a line drive to short. Leaping grab by Kevin Smith. That one is hit well, deep to center, backing up his wave, near the warning track, at the wall, he makes the grab! Swung on and missed, he got him, and the Terps win! The Illini 27 winning streak comes to a close, and the Terps move on to the next round. The 2-2, curveball, strike three! The Terps have done it again! This time it's on the West Coast! The number one team in the tournament goes down as the Terps have ditched the gloves and they're dogpiling on the mound. Good evening and welcome to the fourth episode of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Jake Eisenberg here alongside Matt Present. As always, lots to talk about tonight. A big weekend in the Keith LeClaire Classic, the 13th annual edition of that tournament down in Greenville, North Carolina. Matt was there. So we'll talk a little bit about the weekend that was. We'll look ahead to the matchups with Delaware this week, another midweek game with George Washington on Wednesday, and then a series with Bryant Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We've got interviews with tomorrow's starting pitcher, Cameron Ank. And then it's really, really a freshman episode. We're talking to Cameron Ank, Marty Costas, and Nick Dunn, really highlighting some of the new guys. Yeah, you'll get to know a lot of Terps here today. So stay with us. Yeah, it's a, it's a real trifecta, but we'll start, we'll start with this weekend, Matt. You know, Greenville, North Carolina, what, what was it like down there? Just, you know, first impressions. It was fun, and it was a, a good tournament. Um, three really good teams. Even Southeastern Louisiana, who a lot of people might not have heard of, they're a good team. And they have a pitcher by the name of Kyle Sedital who pitched on Friday night. So Maryland didn't see him, and they're lucky they didn't see him because although he ended up with a tough luck loss, he's one of the best pitchers in the nation statistically. And so I think going into the tournament, Coach Chef, Coach Vaughn, and you know other coaches of other teams as well said, this is like a regional. And I think it really was. A lot of evenly matched games. Even Saturdays, which Maryland won by seven, I think it was closer than seven runs. Taylor Bloom pitched really well. We'll get to that in a moment. But just across the board, a lot of talent. And it really, I think, will prepare Maryland well for the long run to go up against several very good teams in succession. Well, we got to see the starting rotation now for the third weekend. We got to see him in order. And Shawarin, you know, wasn't necessarily at his best Friday night, just four and a third innings pitched, gave up five runs, um, five earned, six total. But the Terps were able to come away with that 10-9 to win over Tennessee. And then on Saturday, you mentioned the 8-1 to victory over southeastern Louisiana. And the Lions are a team that are getting some recognition nationally. They received votes in the USA Today coaches poll. I know that, you know, other polls had them in, you know, not on the top 25, but kind of on the outside looking in, much like much like Maryland is. So it was a good win for the Terps to, to get that, you know, seven-run victory. And, you know, Taylor Bloom, another fantastic start for him. Yeah, he was great. I mean... You look at the statistics for Maryland, and right now Taylor Bloom, first in ERA, first in innings pitched, first in strikeouts. And that's not a knock on Shawarin. He had, you know, a down start this weekend. I don't think he's lost any confidence. I don't think we've lost any confidence in him. It's definitely no knock on Shawarin. He's been one of the best collegiate right-handers since he arrived at Maryland. And sure, Friday wasn't his best start ever as a Terp. Just, you know, the four and a third innings pitched, gave up. Six runs, five of them earned. Still struck out four, but 
walked to and, you know, had two wild pitches to boot. But, you know, his start against Rhode Island, the eight shutout innings, the absolute dominance, retiring, you know, 20 of the last 21 he faced. And still, you know, if you look at the numbers and compare him to Taylor Bloom, Bloom's had 19 innings pitched. He's faced 74 batters. Schwarren, an inning and two-thirds less innings pitched, 17 and a third, but he's faced 57 batters. That's a 30-batter difference. So Schwarren, while the numbers may not be there at the beginning of the season, you know, just the three starts, you know, in the ERA column, in the the earned runs column, uh, or the strikeout column, he's still getting it done economically and mowing down hitters. I mean, he's holding them to a 140 batting average. So, you know, the pitching staff for the Terps is is really starting to come together and it's going to be a really strong positive for them as they progress and as this season comes along. And, you know, they're getting things going on the offensive side of the ball too. We've seen the offense come alive now, five straight games with nine hits or more, even in the loss to East Carolina on Sunday. Still, you know, nine hits in that one. So the Terps, they go 2-1 and one on the weekend, now 5-5 five and five on the season. They've gone below 500, they've gone above 500. They've been at 500 now four times already in the first 10 games you know what do you think Matt this team needs to do to start you know pulling off putting off a streak I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing honestly um obviously they started out slowly at the plate um they came alive in that Sunday game against uh Rhode Island and since then their bats have been there uh you know we'll see in the midweek this week what we get out of Cameron Ank and and uh, John Murphy the second time around um but as long as they win those midweek games and just keep taking care of business, I mean, they're they're going to have tough games. That's just the nature of baseball. You're not going to win every game. You're, you know, you're not going to dominate every game. You're not going to pitch well or hit well necessarily on any given day. But, you know, I think the big key this weekend, the big takeaway, even though it was in the loss, was seeing how well Brian Schaefer pitched on Sunday because that was kind of the mystery. He hadn't pitched a whole lot. He had a decent start at Alabama, kind of got in trouble as the game went along. His second start against Rhode Island really rough, lasted just two and a third. And, you know, I wasn't I wasn't hitting the panic button yet, but you wanted to see that bounce back start, and we did, and we saw it. And We wanted to see the Brian Schaefer that we saw against Illinois. Absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't? I, I mean, mean, that, that, yeah. was, that was awesome. But, and, and, you know, obviously expectations – were possibly a little high for him, you know, given that he had not pitched in so long. But to be able to see, okay, we have a full weekend rotation that we can rely on, I think is is huge moving forward. And it's it's a solid one at that. And you know, even going off the pitching side and moving back to the to the batter's box with this Maryland team, we went into the Rhode Island weekend and kind of threw the first couple of games of that Rhode Island weekend, scoring one run in four out of five of the games. The team batting average was hovering around 200. The starting lineup had guys, you know, was littered with hitters who were under 250 for the season, and obviously small sample size. But now through 10 games, you got two guys hitting over 400. Nick Dunn at 417, Big Ten Player of the Week in Freshman League. We'll hear from him later. Uh, Kevin Biondic at 406. He's really turned it on in the past, you know, few games as well. Uh, we spoke to him on the last podcast about, you know, his home run and his turnaround. And I think now you're seeing one through nine, this lineup really come together. Well, as a team, they went into the weekend hitting 240. They're now at 267. So just in three days, 27 points on the average. That's not um, bad. No, not at all. And uh, you mentioned the few guys hitting hitting really well in Dunn and Biondic. Kevin Smith adjusting to his role at the top of the lineup really nicely. Um, 
Anthony Papio, I think the lone guy who's really in a slump, but he's hit the ball hard. If you watch him in his games, there have been times where he's hit the ball really hard. He got uh, robbed in left center uh, this weekend. Last weekend, he hit a rocket right at the shortstop. So, so he'll figure it out um, as long as he as long as he can keep the strikeout numbers down and keep putting the ball in play. He'll figure it out. I think you could say the same about Madison Nickens hitting just 200 right now, but we've seen the flashes from him. Three home runs, got an on-base percentage of over 300, but of course, you know, second on the team in strikeouts, he's got 11. Papio with with 12, and that's something that you know they'll cut down on as the season goes along. But I think the two of them, once they get going and you know, they may be, you know, kind of similar hitters in the sense they bat from the left side and they, you know, can tend to be a little bit streaky. But if you get good, get them going at the same time and consistently, this lineup goes from dangerous to lethal. Yeah, absolutely. It goes from seven guys hitting really well to nine guys hitting really well. Absolutely. So we'll hear from Cameron Ank when we come back. Ank freshman starting tomorrow against the Delaware Blue Hens. And then later in the podcast, We'll talk to Marty Costas, and as we mentioned, Big Ten player and freshman of the week, Nick Dunn. Stick with us here on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Hi, Terps fans. This is play-by-play broadcaster Jake Eisenberg. Here at the Maryland Baseball Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best and most dedicated coverage of your Terps baseball team. But in order to do so, we need your help. As we enter our second season, we're looking to raise money to continue to bring you the same high-quality broadcast and coverage for as many games as possible. Every dollar raised will go directly into Maryland Baseball Network funds and go toward equipment needs, website fees, and, most importantly, travel funds to allow us to bring you all of the Terps games home and away. To donate, head to GoFundMe.com slash MDBaseballNet. That's GoFundMe.com slash MDBaseballNet. No amount is too big or too small, and, as always, we thank you for and appreciate your support. Welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Jake Eisenberg joined here with Matt Present, and we're now joined by Terps pitcher Cameron Ang. Cameron, thanks for joining us tonight. Yep, yep, always a pleasure. So we know that you're making your first career start tomorrow against Delaware. What were the emotions like when the coaching staff told you? Um, You know, it's always exciting, um, knowing as a freshman that you can have an opportunity to start. But, um... I saw it through the fall. I worked pretty hard, and so it's um, come pretty deserving. So I'm pretty excited for tomorrow. You guys got to see Delaware a week ago uh, when Murph started. Uh, what do you take away from that when you were able to watch them from the dugout and bring into your start tomorrow? Um, I think from last week's perspective of the game, um, there's like – there's a lot of hits and um, balls left up from the pitchers. So I think my main goal is to kind of just keep the ball down, um, try to produce some ground balls, um, and then go from there. Only only a couple appearances for you so far this season, Cameron, but you've pitched pretty well against the six batters you faced. Two strikeouts, only one hit given up, haven't uh, given up a run either. What is your kind of mindset when you get on the mound? How do you approach hitters? Um, I think you gotta kind of just take it like one pitch at a time, um, and then go from there. So if I'm throwing a changeup, I need to execute that pitch. If I'm throwing a fastball, I need to make sure I execute that pitch. Just make sure that every pitch I throw is um, like the best, the best opportunity I can throw. So. 
you mentioned your experience this fall and, and growing into the pitcher you are now this spring. Uh, what is that learning experience like? What did you pick up uh, when you first arrived here in College Park? Um, it's, uh, it's definitely a different, um, atmosphere coming into here. I was, I was really excited getting to College Park and, um, just becoming one with the baseball team. Um, and then from there, I, I kind of just, uh, followed the process of, um, being on the team, doing the workouts, and then going from there. And then kind of just translated into the spring. Who are some of the older guys in the pitching staff, whether it be, you know, Shawarin or maybe Styles Galligan that, you know, you worked with in the fall that have reached out to you that have kind of maybe taken you under their wing or that, that you've learned from so far? I think um, all of them done a really good job of um, taking all the pitch freshman pitchers in and just teaching them, teaching us how they do everything at Maryland Baseball. But I think Rob did a really good job of just taking me under his wing and um, and getting to like know the pitching staff and Mike's Mike Schwarn, He uh, he's helped me with my uh, pitches. He's helped me with like the little things that count towards like the game. And I think they they've all contributed to a big part to the younger freshmen coming in. So I want to go back to your pitches just for a second and you as a pitcher you have the fastball which you know I know hits somewhere around 90 when it's getting really good and you have the changeup as well and we talked about this briefly down in Alabama but I noticed in your outing down there that you were predominantly using that changeup is that something that that uh, Jimmy Bellinger has been working with you more on something that's a that's a focus what's the story behind that yeah I, I throw a split change so I think um Coach Bellinger going to the fall kind of saw that um, my changeup was pretty good, and then um, from there I think he he, came, he changed up the my like pitching style, so I've seen a lot more changeups. I really never threw that many changeups like in high school or um, summer ball, but I think it's actually really helped me because it throws, throws off the batters. Um, it's really helped, but um, yeah. Uh, so, Cameron, there's obviously a lot of camaraderie that, that goes on within a pitching staff. You know, obviously, unlike the hitters, not everyone's out on the field at the same time. You know, what's that kind of relationship like when you all are hanging out in the dugout or in the bullpen? Um, I think I think we have an awesome camaraderie as a team. Like, there's no there's no guys that have um, any problems. We, we all get, get along together and... I think it just really helps. Um, it translates to on the field with how well we get together, get along off the field. So I think that helps um, in the long run. All right, so let's let's move into some some lighter conversation. At the beginning of the season, we sent out an email to you guys with a questionnaire that we asked you to fill out. Um, we ended up not not getting one from you, but we still are going to ask you the questions. And I know it'll put you on the spot a little bit, but you know, just have some fun with it, and we'll see where it goes. So I guess to start off, when you when you come into pitch tomorrow, what's gonna be what's gonna be your walk-in song? Um, I don't I don't know if they're gonna do the walk-up songs at Hartford, but it would uh, be "People Around Here" by Florida Georgia Line. <laughs> 
so um, you're, so you're a country that, guy. Yeah, yeah. I think that song just kind of like um, shows like how I care about the people um, from like back home, and I think it's a good song to walk out to. It's fun. I'll be honest. I only know that Florida Georgia Line song where like <laughs> you roll the windows down. That's and cruise. That yeah, and cruise. You cruise too. That's the only one I got. I'm, 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 I'm getting into the country music little by little, but I guess my Florida Georgia Line knowledge is subpar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good song though. It is. I'm with you on that. Uh, Cam, uh, how about? Uh, let's see what else we have here. What's a hobby or something unique about you that? that some people might not know? Um, some people might not know. Um, I like to actually hike. I go hiking a lot, and I like to golf. I think those are my two main hobbies. We were but, just, uh, I, go ahead. Um, I've, I've like, grown up, uh, my parents golfed a lot, so I think from my parents' aspect, I've been golfing since I was probably like eight or nine. So it's always been a passion that I loved. We were talking to Rob Galligan on our first podcast about he likes to golf a ton. We were joking with him about, at least for me personally, when I go out there on the course, a good round for me is one where I don't lose any balls. You know, it's not necessarily yeah. about my score quite yet. Um, where where are you shooting? Are you on par with Galligan and the rest of the guys? I know there was a false scramble and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I was, in, I was in the golf scramble. Um I won't. I won't say I'm that good. I think I just enjoy the sport more than um, anything. I just like to have fun with it. That's good. Definitely a sport you can have fun. It's definitely relaxing. Yeah. It's definitely my goal to be really good at golf by the time I'm like 40 or so. Because obviously, you know, I'm not going to be physically able to play more active sports like basketball or football, and I want to still be able to beat my friends at things. You know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it's, something, yeah, it's a sport where you have until 85 to be good. You don't right. have to be good early right. in your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's definitely a good sport to go and cage with. There's a lot of time to work on it. Anyway, um, yeah. this is this is a weird question. I'm going to throw it out there. Anyway, you have a very similar height and and look to another pitcher on the team, Andrew Green. You guys are both tall, big, right-handed pitchers. Has anyone ever confused the two of you during practice or just walking around campus? Um, not not that I know of. Um, I think <laughs> I can see where you're coming from. I think from our body type and kind of look, but um, I think once we like got on the team, once I got on the team, at least I think um, no one's really mixed us up. I mean, you guys were similar numbers, too. You're 34, he's 36. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there could be some confusion there, at least for us when we're up in the booth and, you know, we see you guys running down to the bullpen or one of you warming up. It's got to make sure you look extra closely at that, that second number <laughs> on that uniform. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, how about your favorite place to eat around campus? Oh, uh, geez, that, that's, that's easy. Uh, it has to be Chipotle. I think that goes for most of the guys on the team. Yeah, uh, it's a, that's a common answer. We've certainly gotten yeah, a lot of that. That's it's a, definitely a go-to after practice or games or whatever. What's What's your Chipotle order? Um, double chicken, white rice, um, cheese, um, 
tomatoes, uh, corn, and then sour cream. I know they do that thing at the College Park Chipotle where if you get double meat, they'll like put down the the tinfoil topping to like denote that you got double meat. But every now and again, you can kind of sneak by and get, and that's like the best day ever, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, the Sometimes best was the free Chipotle coupons because you could get double meat, you could get guac. It was all it was all one deal. I mean, I'm, oh, yeah. we're big friends of Chipotle, too, and this isn't an endorsement for Chipotle or a commercial for them, but, I mean, if they want to use it, they can go right ahead, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Are you like Selmer? Do you ever go back for seconds? <laughs> uh, no, I've actually heard Selmer, Selmer goes two times in the day. I, I don't I don't usually do that. I usually just uh, eat it for dinner or whatever after practice, but, yeah, two times is uh, that's a lot. <laughs> All right, one more question for you. If you aren't playing baseball when you grow up, what is your dream job? Um, my dream job. I think I think I would probably go with uh professional golfer. All right, so yeah, like so kind of like Yoannis Cespedes, you know, you're going to play baseball for a few years then join the PGA Tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just just cuz golf is a uh, one of my passions. I think, I think that would have to be it. You're gonna, you're the, gonna get the, they, they get the cars the too. Yeah, no. <laughs> I wish. Have you gone on any cool golfing trips? How about any courses of note that you've been to? Any what? Any golf courses of note that you've gone out and played? Um, usually when I like during my like high school um summer ball years, I would uh. Whenever I go down south to like Florida or um, Georgia or whatever, usually um, there'd be days off and I'd go golf down there. But other than that, there's not been really any um, famous golf courses I've been to. All right, Cam. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Really appreciated the conversation. We had a lot of fun. Hope you did too. Yep, yep. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, Cam. Best of luck tomorrow. Want instant info on MBN coverage? Make sure to follow us on Twitter at MDBaseballNet. MBN's Twitter account will update followers on broadcast information and will provide links to all MBN content, including interviews, game recaps, and much more. Again, don't forget to follow the official Twitter handle of the Maryland Baseball Network at MDBaseballNet. Welcome back to the fourth episode of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. We just heard from the starting pitcher tomorrow, Cameron Ank, and now we're joined by freshman outfielder Marty Costas. Marty, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me, man. Good blessing. Yeah, well, we'll have we'll have some fun here. Big, big weekend for you. Definitely. <laughs> I was um, it was unexpected, but you know, a little adjustments I made. I was just happy with the results. Yeah, you're starting um, to see some more playing time now. Five starts. You hit the long ball way over left field that, that Matt got a good vantage point for. Now seven RBIs. You know, your roles increasing must feel pretty good. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm just, like, happy to help the team, you know. Uh, um, I have, like, found my role, you know. I just want to keep pursuing my role. That's what I want to do. Hey, Marty, when that ball left your bat on Saturday – I knew right away it was a no-doubter. What was your reaction the second you made contact? Yeah, I 
I knew it was gone once I left once it left my bat. <laughs> like <laughs> I kind of like flipped the bat and everything just to get the guys going. Like it was for, it was fun, you know. I kind of felt like um Batista in the um. In the playoff game. <laughs> you you bat. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I I didn't see it personally. I wasn't down with you guys in North Carolina, but it was that dramatic of a bat flip. You you tossed it to the side like that. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't do it as like saucy as he did it though. Like I just like <laughs> flipped it a little bit, like because <laughs> I was a little nervous at first. Like I was like, what should I do? What should I do? <laughs> I just was like, forget it. I just like let it go. And like when I got to the dugout, my friend Peyton told me he's like. He said, um, that the bat came flying at him. <laughs> He's like, what's going on? <laughs> I didn't even see that. It's I was so watching funny. the ball. Yeah. I mean, Matt took a great picture of it and posted it on Twitter the next day. He showed the trees behind left field where, where the ball hit. Have you – is that the farthest, you know, hit you've ever had? Um, I've had some far hits in my career. Um – I think the furthest one, and you can ask my high school coach, um, we were playing at my brother's place, called Gilman, and there's a track in left field, and I hit one when I was playing against him all the way out to the track in left field, like how they have their baseball field and football field like combined together. So, I, I mean, it was pretty good, but... You know, I don't think it was my best one, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that, that was definitely a big one. As, and as Jake mentioned, I don't know if you saw the picture, but those trees were, you know, well beyond the wall. There's kind of a valley behind the wall, and then it goes up on a hill, and those trees are up top. So it was pretty cool just to walk back there and uh, see how far it yeah. was. It was, man. And it was cool that the people from um, – ECU, like, gave me the ball back and stuff, and they were, like, talking to me, and they were, like, wanted to know who I, who I was and things like that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Glad. Yeah. So they were, like, talking to me the whole game after that. So you're saving and that was, ball. Yeah, and they gave me the ball back, too. Some old dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Good for him and good for you. Yeah, man. It, it, it like, really, like, made – I saw it made his day, and when I saw it, it made my day, you know. So you're a freshman on you're a freshman on this team, seeing your first action collegially, and we know you were with the Baltimore Redbirds over the summer, and you played pretty well for them, hit two fifty nine, fourteen RBIs. What did you learn over the summer that has prepared you for this season? I learned that about um, sticking to your plan as a hitter, you know, and trusting the process as the season goes on. A lot of times in the past. I've been worried after a certain amount of games without getting hits and things like that, struggling. But um, that's changed for me now. Like, I've learned to trust, like, what I've been practicing and trust the, the work that I put into the game. And, you know, when I'm going through a struggle now, I'll just be more prepared to get out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, some lighter questions now, Marty. Yeah. Uh... How about your favorite hobby or something unique about you that uh, a lot of people might not know about? Um, my favorite hobby about me is um music. Like I'm really into music. Uh, like I make beats and stuff like that. And 
Are we talking like like beats for you know hip hop or rap, or are these like EDM electro beats? I can. I mean, I go all around the spectrum. Like, you know, whatever comes to mind at the time. Like, I have this little workstation in my um, dorm. You know, so uh, that's one thing people don't know. Like, I really like music, and I remember like playing the trumpet and stuff in middle school. So when you so in your dorm like you have like you have like turntables and stuff. Well, I'm I'm in the process of getting those, but I'm gonna get a keyboard sent to me. And like I set up like all this digital audio workstations and stuff. Like I'm actually kind of good with that. I have a SoundCloud or so. <laughs> cool. So when's the when's the next mixtape coming out? Uh, <laughs> I, um, it'll come when it's ready. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Do you have do you have some names for the, for the mixtape? Is it is it your walk up song? That would be the that would be very hard. Like I've never seen someone come out to a song that they made. I maybe might be the only person to do that. You should look into that. I bet it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. You, you gotta plug yourself. You gotta you gotta promote yourself through your own walk up song. Yeah. Yeah. That would be sweet, like. You know, you keep you no, keep I, hitting home runs, you keep driving runs in, you'll get more at bat. That's more exposure for the mixtape and for the music business. It's a win-win situation, Marty. I feel like this is a no-brainer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, like how that all comes around like that, because you know I was really wanted to to play baseball on a high level, but. Coming out of high school, a lot of people didn't notice that, you know, my talent. And so I was, like, really into music in, like, middle school and high school and stuff like that. So, you know, that's where I am now. So, obviously, Maryland did notice. And uh, what made you choose Maryland? Um, what made me choose Maryland it was uh, definitely Coach Juan's uh, approach to me. Like, he, he made me feel like I was comfortable. There's no, it no getting around to, like, he showed me that there was a, a side to baseball that inner-city kids could thrive, you know, at the collegiate level. And not being, like, you know, coming from a, a, a rich family, you know, you don't have to be, the, you don't have to have the most perfect swing or you don't have to be the most polished player. You know, as long as you have, like, the tools and the hustle and a work ethic, you know, you can have the success here. And that was kind of like his, um, his pitch to me. You know, I ran with it. So he saw so the he saw the potential in you as a player and, you know, noticed that, that you're the kind of player that he could develop into, into someone who, you know, hits towering shots over the trees at Greenville, North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> You know, and I, I believed in it. I definitely believed. Well, that's good to you know, hear. I put in a lot of I put in a lot of work in the off season. you know, I never put in that much work in my life. So we just see how it goes from here on out. Well, it's certainly paying off, Marty. All right, how about how about another uh, kind of light sided question? If if it isn't baseball that you're playing when you grow up, what is it that you would like to be doing? Say that one more time. If you're not playing baseball when you grow up, what would be your dream job? If I wasn't playing baseball, 
won't be my dream job. My, I just said, if, if I wasn't playing baseball, I would be like producing music and opening up a studio and like learning how to play the keyboard and stuff like that and, and um, going all around through that spectrum. And like, I would be on a, uh, I'll be on a plane somewhere going to be someone to make a record, you know? There you go. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to check back in with you on the mixtape and get a title and, you know, promote it and, and get it out there. Maybe you can use it for your walk-up song. But Mari, this, we, we had a lot of fun. Thanks for, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Marty. The Maryland Baseball Network isn't just a broadcast network. It's a comprehensive online platform dedicated to bringing you everything Terrapins baseball. Be sure to check out our website by going to www.marylandbaseballnetwork.com where you can find game recaps, podcasts, news, video, and much more. That's marylandbaseballnetwork.com, your home for all things Terps. And welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Podcast alongside Jake Eisenberg. I'm Matt Present, and now we're joined by the Big Ten player and Big Ten Freshman of the Week, Nick Dunn. And Nick, what was your reaction when you heard about those honors? Uh, I was a little surprised, but uh, very excited at the same time. Uh, just a tremendous honor to receive that. I mean, surprised. You, you slashed 643, 700, and 786 this week. I'd say, I'd say those are those are pretty good accolades for someone who merits Big Ten Player. Of yeah, the week. it's just not really something that you go through the week thinking about. It's kind of kind of the last thing, honestly, that you that you think about. You know, when you're going out and playing games every day. I mean, of course, but you know, it it still feels pretty cool. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, let's talk about this weekend a little bit. Obviously, you were on fire and came through in some big spots, but it wasn't just you know, hammering the ball. It was hitting to all fields. Talk about your approach at the plate and your ability to go to all fields with the baseball. Yeah, just uh, my approach, I, I like to keep it pretty simple. I just think, uh, you know, line drives up the middle and the other way. And uh, I was seeing the ball pretty well the last week, too. I mean, that, that always helps a lot. So I know the coaching staff was fiddling with the lineup in the last week. There were times where you were hitting leadoff, and now you're back down hitting in the three-hole. How does how does your approach change depending on where you are in the lineup? Uh, I mean, when I, when I was leading off, I didn't really change a whole lot. I just kind of tried to be more selective with the, you know, which pitches to swing at. And not, uh, when I'm in the three-hole, I tend to be more like a, more aggressive. I like to think patient, but aggressive. Uh, that's that's really there, there's not a whole whole lot different with my approach though. This summer, I remember talking to you a little bit with the T bolts, and you said your goal for the season was just to contribute. Well, you've certainly done that and more in the early going. You know, what was the process coming in, and what was the moment where you felt okay? I'm comfortable at this level. Uh, I would probably say. Uh, Honestly, probably after the first night in Alabama, you know, it was a it was a big crowd, it was a a big stage to kind of just it kind of just came up and it was like, all right, you're you know you're playing now. So uh, I'd probably say after after that night, uh, we we talked a little bit down in Alabama about the atmosphere that was there 
and that big SEC atmosphere and how cool it was, you know, to play under the lights at a brand new stadium. And you mentioned that uh, over the summer and in the fall, you had talked to the former Terps second baseman, Brandon Lau, a little bit and how you guys are kind of similar players. What did he have to share with you? Uh, he said, you know, you just got to uh, take it one day at a time. Uh, you know, stay stay within yourself. Uh, that was, that's pretty much the biggest thing. Do you see the comparisons between the two of you, or do you think there, there's a lot of truth to them? Uh, yeah, I, I've actually I've seen him hit. Uh, I saw him play a few games last year. Uh, you know, people people told me that uh, about the similarities, but uh, I didn't realize until I saw him play how you know how many there were. So your senior year of high school. You did not strike out. That that's my favorite stat to bring up. And we talked about it. we talked about it probably more than we should because it's just it's it's a great nugget. You just don't see that. I mean, at what point in the season were you like, I haven't struck out? And was there pressure to not strike out? Uh, I really didn't find out until like the last two weeks of the season. Uh, but I mean, I, I I didn't really, you know, add add any pressure to it. It was. Just, you know, it's just kind of like, all right, I gotta, I gotta go out and, and play every day. You know, it's, it's not really any added pressure because, you know, the odds of, you know, not striking out in the season are are pretty rare. So, <laughs> I was talking about how the stadium down at in Alabama is actually uh, named after Joe Sewell, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but he holds the major league record for fewest strikeouts in a season, 1932. He had over 500 at bats, struck out just three times. So on the broadcast down there, I was kind of comparing the two of you, and I understand that's a lofty comparison considering he's a Hall of Famer and you're you know, still playing for Maryland uh, collegiately, but I had some fun with it. What do you, what do you think of the comparison? Uh, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean uh, to be compared to someone who accomplished something like that, it's, it's pretty special. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great, great compliment. Well, well, you're welcome. You you earned it. All right, Nick. Some some lighter questions now. What's a? I think we might have asked you this already on the uh, 25 days of baseball, but we'll ask again for the podcast. What's something unique about you or a hobby that people might not know about? Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I, I spend most of my time now playing baseball and uh doing schoolwork i mean that's kind of just <laughs> that's kind of mostly what i do as of now i mean other than that you know play some video games or something you know there's not uh not much else that goes on honestly you mentioned in our in our questionnaire for our 25 days of baseball that one of those hobbies was ice skating is did you play hockey when you were younger or is it more figure skating that you're into uh no actually i actually did play hockey uh when i was younger that was a uh, it was actually one of one of my favorite sports growing up. You talked to Biondic about that at all? I know he's a big hockey guy. Oh, uh, we haven't really talked about it uh, that much. I mean, it, it came up a couple times, but we haven't we haven't really said much about it. If you guys go one on one on a rink, who scores first? Is that a thing? Can you do one on one hockey? Uh, I mean, the shootouts. The shootouts. I mean. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Who wins in a shootout? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I heard he's pretty good. I mean, he could have played college hockey. I haven't 
I stopped playing when I got to high school, so I, I, I'd say he would probably win. <laughs> How about the video games you play? What's your go-to? Uh, my go-to would probably be 2K. NBA. Yeah. I actually, uh, I just started playing that this, you know, school year in September. My roommates got it, and I'd never played it before. And and now we have a board in our room, and I still lose a lot, but I'm getting a lot better, I think. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's uh it was it was easy enough to pick up. It's all about the rivalries. <laughs> yeah, we make it competitive. Anyway, Nick, one of the one of the coolest things that I found from your questionnaire was what you listed as your guilty pleasure TV show. And this might surprise you, but Matt's actually never heard of it. It Rocket Power, which for me is one of the greatest shows from my childhood. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was uh definitely my favorite show growing up. <laughs> Matt, how have you never heard of Rocket Power? I didn't watch TV until, like, seventh grade. Like, my parents didn't let me watch TV when I was a kid. Which, like, looking back on it, I think is great. Like, when I was a kid and, like, all my friends were watching shows, like, I guess Rocket Power, I was, like, like I was missing out. But now I'm, like, all right, it was awesome that I was, like, this outdoor kid. But, yeah, like, there's a bunch of, like, younger kid TV shows that I've just never heard of. All right. So, Nick, if you could, if you could give Matt, like, a brief summary or description of what Rocket Power is and how awesome it is. Can can you just like inform him a little bit? <laughs> uh, it's pretty much like this uh, this group of kids that are always like uh, skateboarding and and playing hockey and stuff like that. Uh, I think they pretty sure they live in California, so it's pretty much always nice there. So they play uh, street hockey all the time. It's never ice hockey. Yeah, they're in like Venice Beach, and they also like surf and. You know, the main character, Otto's dad, owns uh, this, like, surf shack where he has burgers and fries, and they have a Hawaiian uncle who, like, has these wise sayings. It was a great show. It was a great yeah. show. I hear, I hear they're bringing it back, too, on, like, Netflix or something. All right, well, House of Cards Season 4 just came out, so i got to power through that. But afterwards, Rocket Power is now on the list. Yeah, there you go. I was always a big fan of Twister, personally, because he had the camera helmet, which was basically, like, the first time we ever saw a GoPro. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was, that was that was pretty cool. All right, Nick. Thanks so much for your time, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. We're introducing a new feature to our broadcast this season. During the seventh inning stretch, our broadcasters will field questions from you via our Twitter feed. To submit a question, simply tweet at us at MDBaseballNet and use the hashtag AskMBN. Once again, that's hashtag AskMBN. If Twitter isn't your speed, feel free to submit a question through the Mixler live chat as well. We look forward to answering your questions during the seventh inning stretch. Welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Jake Eisenberg and Matt Present here with you. And hope you've enjoyed it tonight, getting to know some of the freshmen, recapping the weekend that was down in Greenville. And now Maryland, a bit of an extra week ahead of them, a second midweek game against George Washington after taking on Delaware Tuesday. And then Bryant this weekend, and then, Jake, you're headed out to the West Coast. Well, they got that midweek off in between Alabama and Rhode Island and VCU was rained out. So making it up here with two games against Delaware, George Washington, like you said, you know, I'll be headed out to California when they take on UC Irvine and then Cal State Fullerton on the back end of the trip. And that'll be a pretty major series for this Terps team, of course. You know, they played Fullerton here in College Park last year. Um, so they'll travel to the Titans complex. And like I said, that'll be a big one. We'll be bringing that one to you, but staying in this week, just to start, tomorrow they take on Delaware. Freshman 
Cameron Ank on the mound. We already heard from him and how excited he is to get his first collegiate start. And this Delaware team is one that is shadily kind of dangerous. They won 12-7 to over Maryland last Tuesday. They put up pretty good numbers against Murphy. Murphy gave up five runs and four and two-thirds innings pitched. The Blue Hens, two home runs, one from Diaz Nardo, one from Kevin Mulholland. They've got the pop. They've got a solid lineup, and they're pretty good defensively too. Yeah, and this is the second time, I guess, in two weeks that these teams are facing off. So usually, just about in any sport, if you play a team twice in that short amount of time, the the score of the second game is going to be closer because each team has figured the other one out a little bit. So hopefully for Maryland, that's a, a close win tomorrow as Cameron Ank, like you said, will take them out for his first Maryland start. So we'll be bringing that one to you live. First pitch scheduled for 4 o'clock. They're playing at uh, Hartford Community College, not here in College Park. It's a, it's a neutral site setup that they had ready to go um, already for the home half of this two-game set. And Cameron Ank's going to go against Cole Benjamin. It's his first year as a pitcher, his freshman year. So he's making his first start as well. Two guys making their, their first uh, collegiate outing, or I guess I should say start. Yeah, that's what the midweek's all about. And, uh, you know, the lineup, as we mentioned, has been there the last few games or so, really coming on. And uh, so hopefully they're right behind Cameron and Maryland, you know, can take care of business. They play Delaware and then GW and then a Bryant team that it, it seems to be better than they have been in years past. That's right. This Bryant team, 8-2 and two on the season. They had a big win in San Diego over number 22, Kentucky. They, they won that one 7-4, a home run from Nick Angelini. He went 2-2 two two with three RBIs in that one. So, you know, potentially another solid non-conference weekend series with a team that could boost Maryland's resume, get them some confidence going into California, you know, get that record up above 500 significantly enough that, you know, they, you don't drop back down. And, you know, perhaps Maryland this week with five games between tonight and Sunday, you know, maybe we have we exit this week at 10-5 and five instead of 5-5 five and five or even, you know, 8-7. and seven. Yeah, just, just one game at a time and taking care of, of the midweek. Don't take it for granted. And I'm not saying that they, they did last week. All I'm saying is that they have a lot of tough competition, especially before Big Ten play gets underway. You know, before the conference tournament, they – a lot of their really tough opponents are in the early part of the season. And for a team that lost a bunch of guys to the draft, has a lot of young guys, it's really important that they're able to win the, the easier games on their schedule. Well, that's right, especially you know when you look at the end of the season at the NCAA resume, you definitely don't want to see bad losses, and you definitely want to see good wins. And there are such things as good losses. You know, Of course, you never want to lose a game, but if you're going to lose a game to you know a ranked team and you're going to play them close that's something you can take a look at and now you know with Alabama creeping into the rankings Cal State Fullerton being ranked ECU being up there at 16 these past two weeks these are you know obviously not games that you want to lose you want to win them and have them as highlights on your resume but they're you know a couple losses that are turning from you know maybe neutral to you know all right they played a really good team and played them close yeah and you have to be realistic it's a long season you're not going to win every game and so as long as you're playing hard and you're playing teams close and giving yourself a chance to win, I think that's all you can ask for. And at this point, I'm actually surprised that Alabama is not higher up in a lot of the rankings. They were really strong against the Terps that first weekend, and their ERA, in fact, is third in the country. And well, that's obviously best in the SEC. Well, I think what happens is you have a lot of the prototypical tougher conferences playing down. 
So whereas you have teams from up north who are, you know, considered lesser in the grand scheme of college baseball, playing these tougher teams and boosting their resume, it kind of hurts the teams down south a little bit if they're not really winning those games because their marquee wins are going to come later in the season against against their conference, conference opponents. opponents. Exactly. So if you're playing in the SEC when Alabama takes on Florida, which has been the perennial number one through the beginning of the season, that's going to mean a lot more to them than their non-conference games. But I understand what you're saying, that for the Terps, their non-conference games, you know, in some respects may mean more than their conference record, especially, you know, throughout the beginning of the season. The only Big Ten team that's kind of sniffed the rankings has been Michigan, who won the Big Ten tournament last year. Yeah, and I think Michigan State's been good in the early going, and you know, you saw last year teams like Illinois and Iowa that, you know, weren't really given the credit at the beginning of the season turn out to be really good teams later on. So I think there inevitably will be teams like that that separate themselves and, and will challenge Maryland. And, you know, like I said, a long season, you're going to have good wins, you're going to have bad losses, but just giving yourself a chance to win and keeping it close. You know, the Terps take on Cal State Fullerton next weekend. They've got a midweek against Liberty, and then it's, you know, right into the heart of the conference starting against Iowa, and you mentioned, you know, that one's in Iowa City, but we mentioned how they could be, you know, a dangerous team and a resume builder, and uh, it's, it's you know, funny to think how the season, you know, has gone by so quickly so far, three weeks, and now, you know, just a, a week or so away from conference play. It really is already spring break, and you're headed out to California, and I'm headed to a cruise in the Bahamas, so until then, we got some midweek action for you, pregame show tomorrow at 3.40 on the Maryland Baseball Network, Jake Eisenberg will have it for you. And then same goes for Wednesday. So thanks for listening to the fourth episode of the 2016 Maryland Baseball Podcast. For Jake Eisenberg, I'm Matt Present. See you tomorrow.